the Bright Wall Podcast, Season 1, Episode 4. The Bright Wall Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. If you'd like to help out production, go to patreon.com slash empty square to become an official backer. What's that? You can't... You can't what? Where are you? Okay. Uh... Good... Good talk. We're... We're coming to get you, okay? I promise. Somehow. I guess. Run. I wish I could tell you that this was the part of the story where I leapt up in a heroic fervor to save the day and get Danny out of whatever ethereal hell he found himself in. But to tell you the absolute truth, I was too stunned to move. I had been so certain that it was all a hoax. For some reason, anyway. Even part of me now believes that that was just somebody trying to pull a prank on me to keep this thing going, but it was far too real for me to stop. I had thought about leaving everything and just going home several times, but but that call made my choice for me. Every time since then, if I've made a move to leave, my anxiety, ironically, keeps me here. I had to keep going, you know? I made a promise. I tried calling his number back immediately, but... We're sorry. You have reached a number that has been disconnected or is no longer in service. If you feel oh, you have reached this recording in error, what kind please of check silent the number and try your call again. Now, I swear to God, every goddamn time I think I am. I, um, I had a bit of a weak moment there. What a long year this week has been, am I right? I spent probably an hour after the call trying to brainstorm different places he could be. If anybody had him kidnapped or anything, but nothing came to mind. I was stuck. I hit a brick wall, but it was like a wall with a hole in it, just big enough to see into the other side. I could see where I wanted to go, I just had no way or clue how to get there. I felt this kind of oppressive feeling in my chest. This kind of hopelessness. The worry and fear slowly rising in my body until it crescendos into this lightning bolt of doom striking through my body like a white hot wire. The call was the best worst thing to ever happen to me. I didn't even really know what time it was, but I decided it was time to go outside, and maybe as luck would have it, I would just run into somebody who would know what else to do right now. If anything, I guess I could use the walk and the fresh air. It was crisp and chilly outside, which was unusual given the fact that at this point I think it was about late August. The sky was a pallid gray with clouds ominously overhead threatening to rain or snow or frogs, I guess. I don't even know what this place anymore. As I continued to just kind of stroll down the street aimlessly, I felt the ground shift out from under me. Like when you go from asphalt to sand or dirt, that kind of thing, but it was weird because I was pretty sure I never left the main road, but I wasn't really thinking clearly or paying enough attention to really take notice. Then the rain started. Slowly, at first, 
sprinkling here and there, just kind of enough to ruin your day. And then it got a little harder and then a little harder still until it felt torrential. Giant drops slamming into the ground, each one feeling like it could fill an Olympic-sized swimming pool. That'll snap you out of your stupor real quick, let me tell you. I clued back in and tried to get a grip on where exactly I was, but it was dark. Like, really dark. Oppressively dark. Like, I had been in Brightwall at night, but this was something else. I couldn't see anything. Not the trees beside me, not the ground below me. I held up my own hand, inches from my face, and I couldn't tell you how many fingers I had. I turned around and started walking back to where I came from, but then the rain started to pool. I guess, poor drainage system in this town? I don't know. Trying to keep my head cool and my panic in check, but each step became more and more difficult, splashing around in the rainwater up to my ankle. Just trying to keep my balance was a struggle. It was like trying to walk in a river with a current trying to sweep you backwards. I reached out for something to grab onto, something to steady myself or something to hold me, but my hand just kind of frantically swatted at the air. It was all for naught. The water took my feet out like somebody pulling a rug out from under you. I hit the ground face first. The current was too quick to get my balance back, and away I went. I collided with every single tree branch I tried to reach out for earlier. I didn't know where I was going, but I was going quickly. I could feel my head start to fog. I couldn't see anything, but I felt as though the world was spinning. I felt almost like a static-like shock in the roof of my mouth, and I could feel myself slip out of consciousness. That's the part I'm absolutely sure about. But what I'm still a little shaky on is what happened directly afterwards. Just as I lost consciousness, I I heard something. And now I'm, I'm not sure if it was something out there in the world or if it was just something in my head. But I could swear on the Bible I heard something. It was a voice. When, you know, it wasn't angry, it wasn't even loud. It was almost a soothing, reassuring voice. I heard it say, We told you to run. I woke up with the worst headache I have ever had. It felt as though I tried to give a brick wall a Shabbat-style headbutt. The light burned a hole straight through my eyelids and right into my retina. Light, I thought. That's a good thing. Light's back. I couldn't get my eyes to clear enough to see exactly where I was. Bleary and shaky, everything kind of looked like a distended funhouse mirror version of itself. I wiped my eyes and tried to get my head back on straight. Everything started to come back into focus little by little, like a video game loading its textures. I couldn't recognize where I ended up. I kind of figured maybe I was out of town a little bit, by about five to ten minutes or so. It was like the town itself wanted to spit me out. But something felt eerily familiar about it all. I was still inside the town, all right, because I recognized some of the buildings. The post office, the coffee shop. But it was like everything was slightly off. The color palette was different. Everything seemed a little bit newer, a little bit more put together. I could see people walking the streets, and it was more people than I have ever seen walk up and down Brightwall. It was almost bustling? Like, everyone had a place to go and, and people to see. I started to walk towards them. 
All of them smiled at me or waved or said hello. I could see light in their eyes, which is an absolute 180 from the constant apathy and disdain I've experienced since I got here. Was I dead? That fall killed me, didn't it? Is Brightwell heaven? Because I swear to God, I am going to be so pissed if Brightwall is heaven. I walked over to the coffee shop, which, to this point, I had never actually been to, despite the fact that I've seen it a million times. Maybe coffee could help me out. I'd asked them to just inject caffeine into my veins if it helped. But apparently that's illegal now. Damn Congress. I got myself a cup and sat down in the patio out front. A group of maybe five or six people, probably about my age, sat around two tables pushed together. One of them, I really couldn't see what he looked like, was telling a story of some sort. And because I'm just that kind of nosy bitch, I decided to listen in. This was the first bit of outside entertainment I'd had in so long that didn't involve somebody being abducted by an eldritch horror or so. So we entered this guy's house, right? He said. A nice little place, decent carpet, everything clean, no big dogs or anything, wide hallways, it's a dream. We get him up over the stairs pretty easy, in through the door, get him transferred to his couch. We have to go in like super slow motion. Because I believe he was like 138 years old, give or take a decade or two. If we twisted him the wrong way or something like that, he'd explode into dust. So he's on the couch, TV's on, remote's in his hand, we're all set to leave. But just as we go to wheel a stretcher out of the house, he asks us to get his slippers. Now, I don't mind or anything, we do this kind of stuff all the time for people. He tells me it's in the closet in the hallway. So I go, I find the closet in the hallway, and he tells me to be careful. And I'm like, why? You got, like, something booby-trapped back here? And he goes, no, it's just kind of cluttered. And look, we all have good and bad weeks with the cleanliness, plus the dude's just been in the hospital for a couple weeks. So I'm like, okay, not a problem. I go to open the door, and you know when you open, like, your dish cabinet, and you can feel something about to fall? I feel that. And I'm like, uh-oh, what could that be? So I close it real quick. And make sure nothing falls out. But, like, this guy needs his slippers, right? So, I slowly, slowly, slowly open the door a crack to see what's going to fall out and prepare myself. And do you know what falls out? You're never going to guess. Potatoes. Honest to God, I kid you not, potatoes. Hundreds of the things. It sounded like a hailstorm. They spill out onto the floor, slam into the wall. I get buried in them. I had to chew my way out. A girl he was sitting with yelled out, No way! Honest to God, he said. And they were like, just out of the garden too, somehow. So I'm covered in dirt. I look like Pigpen from the Charlie Brown cartoons. So what did you do? Somebody else asked. Well, I asked him, hey, why am I drowning in potatoes? And I guess he is like a doomsday prepper or something like that? said when the apocalypse comes he's gonna be okay because he has potatoes and on the plus side he can feed an army right now unfortunately i don't think he knows that potatoes can go rotten so like i hope the best for him but i don't think it's gonna work out the way he hopes took us like a half hour to clean it all up too did he ever get his slippers back somebody asked reading my mind oh right yeah that's the kicker his slippers weren't even in the closet they were in his bedroom this guy, whoever he was, had a real charisma about him. When he talked, people listened. Seemed like a good kid. I finally got a good look at him. He was tall, skinny, lanky kid with a lot of frizzy black hair that made his head look about three sizes too big. He reminded me of somebody, but I couldn't place who. 
so I just kind of sipped my coffee and tried to remember. Does he look like the guy from Scrubs? What's his name? Uh, oh, God. Now I can't even remember the name of the guy who was in Scrubs who I think this guy looks like. Oh, this is going to bug me all day. I'm just going to look it up. I went to grab my phone out from my pocket and felt something fall to the ground. Oh, this day is bullshit, I thought. Stooping down to pick it up, it was a printout of something. I flipped it over and it stopped myself in my tracks. In my hand was the only picture of Danny we had from before the disappearance. And wouldn't you know it? Danny was a tall, skinny, lanky kid with a lot of frizzy black hair that made his head look about three sizes too big. You've got to be fucking kidding me, I thought. I listened to him talk a little bit more. I remembered the voice from the phone call. It was through the static, sure, but it was unmistakable. That was Danny Ingram. This didn't make any sense. He was dead. I was told he was dead. And yet, he's called me on the phone and is right now sitting in front of me telling an amusing anecdote about potatoes and shut-ins. I couldn't figure it out. I've gone crazy. I must have. Brightwell's finally gotten to me. I watched as they continued to talk, seemingly introducing a new friend to the group, but I couldn't really care. I was staring wide-eyed. I must have looked like a complete madman. Which makes sense, because that's exactly how I felt. I needed to talk to him. I had to get some sort of answers out of him. Danny got some sort of text message and looked like he was getting up and ready to leave. So I got up to follow him. If anybody was paying attention to us, I was definitely cast as the crazy homeless man who was about to stab Danny and rob him of his sweetbreads. But I'll worry about appearances later. I waited until he was just about at his truck and I called out to him. Excuse me, I yelled. But he either didn't hear me or that homeless look made him wary and put him off. And yeah, no, I don't blame him. Danny, I yelled. I waved. I jumped trying to get his attention, but he gave me absolutely nothing. I decided I was just going to knock on his window. Fortune favors the bold, right? I made my way forward when I heard something that made me stop. It was like a gurgling. Like the kind your stomach makes when you're really hungry, but it was lower and angrier and more guttural. Like somebody was trying to gargle mud. Whatever it was, it was getting louder and closer. The air started to smell like wet dirt Things started feeling more humid and stagnant. I turned around despite that overwhelming feeling of dread that filled me up. Staring back at me was a creature. Six foot tall, three feet wide, made entirely of mud and dirt, cascading off of him in an infinite stream. Its gaping maw opened to an inky black void. Whatever it used for hands was reaching out towards me, grabbing at the air. The smell was getting stronger and more pungent. Its presence started to make me wretch. I could feel sand and dirt in my hair already. I tried to run away, but I became stuck to the ground. Whatever sentient mud was leaping for us stuck us in place. I looked beyond the first one nearest to me, and I saw legions of them. What must have been, honest to God, hundreds of identical mud monsters moving effortlessly into the town, glomping onto buildings and people, crushing them into dirt and dust and debris. I tried to scream out for Danny to run, but fear rendered my voice nothing but an impotent squeak. I'm not a brave man. The creatures collided with the side of the truck as Danny slammed the door shut and trying to flee, but his hands were shaking far too badly to get the key into the ignition. The creatures began to seep, seep into the truck through the tiny crevices in the truck's body, crushing the door underneath its weight and hauling Danny outside. 
He screamed and kicked, and he tried to fight back, but every time he landed a blow, it just absorbed into its disgusting, muddy body. There was nothing anybody could do but scream. Until one of the creatures threw himself at him. Jumping into his mouth and down his throat, Danny thrashed back and forward, trying desperately to get air, fresh breath that would never come. He began to vomit out sand and mud. It began to leak from his eyes and ears. I cannot accurately describe to you the terror in his eyes as the monsters all began to cascade upon him. One by one, they all threw themselves onto this ever-increasing pile of dirt where Danny used to be. Mud and refuse and trash. The horrified screamings and thrashings became quieter and quieter until we could no longer hear them. And then the mud sank back down into the ground, leaving nothing around whatsoever. Not even footprints. Danny was gone, and he died screaming. I was frozen to the ground. Even after the mud subsided, I couldn't move, I couldn't speak, I could only look around and gaze at the horror and terror and devastation that was happening to this town. And then it began to rain, sprinkling at first and then harder and then harder again. I had been through this before already, so I closed my eyes, partly to block out the sounds and the sight of the mud men attack, partly because I was waiting for it all to be over partly in hopes that this was all a dream I could wake up from, having never heard of Brightwall and its stupid problems. I let the rain rush down, and the current take me away again. I woke up to the same piercing light, the same throbbing headache, and the same lack of direction. I sat up and cleared the muck out of my eyes again. I was just outside the mayor's office. Closed for the day, apparently, despite it only being three in the afternoon. That's government work, am I right, folks? I contemplated making another appointment with the mayor to talk about what I saw. I figured she was so useful the last time we spoke she'd want to hear more about this new development, but I decided to table it for later. Once I had more information. I couldn't place exactly what happened to me back there. Was it a dream or a vision? Did I go back in time? How much does the town of Brightwall rip off from the island from Lost? But this was at least new information, and... If I could trust these visions, a clear story on what happened to Danny. The only issue remaining is, where in every fuck did he go? He could contact me somehow through the power of... something. Wow, Andrew, he contacted you somehow through the power of something. Way to use that journalism degree. If anything, this podcast has been invaluable in keeping all the facts straight. Except for last episode, which for some reason I can't get to play on my machine anymore. If you guys are having trouble with it, let me know. Maybe it's just my stupid thing. But at this point, I decided it was far beyond my pay grade. And as much as I had avoided it since I got here, it was time to go to the police. Who, I'd like to point out, I have never actually seen since I came to Brightwall. But I did know that they had a police station about 10 minutes away. And I thought at the very least they could get someone with some training to help put into action all the things I had gathered so far. I took the walk down to where the station was, and I really noticed the lack of people this time. Seeing Brightwall before so many attacks got me thinking about how lively this place used to be. Okay, I mean, like, it's no Vegas or anything, but people had fun. And did things other than wander aimlessly from store to store, and not answer my goddamn questions about missing people. I got to the police HQ, which had no police cars around it, no people standing around it, and an air of abandoned permeating its presence. 
But, I mean, everything is weird here, so I decided to give it a go. I knocked on the front door pretty hard to try to get somebody's attention, and the building fell over. It, it fell over. The building fell over. The front of the building fell over. It fell the fuck over! Like a giant piece of cardboard. It wobbled and fell backwards on what I assumed to be a vacant lot. Of all the things I've seen so far, this had to be up there with the most confusing. And annoying. All wrapped into one. Inside the giant nothing, where the police facade once stood, a young man in his early thirties looked at me almost sheepishly. Oh, sorry, one second, he said. He went over to the side of the lot where a winch was resting and began to raise the cardboard set back to where it had once originally been. As I stood there, absolutely dumbfounded at something that I can only describe in pleasant company as absolute malarkey, I felt a tap on my shoulder. Are you Andrew Cooper? He asked. Can I help you? I said, not turning around. We have orders from Mayor Queen to bring you in. Oh yeah? You and what army? This one, he said as I turned around to see literally the entire population of Brightwall, complete with pitchforks and torches, as though they were about to crucify Frankenstein. Full disclosure, I I've never read Frankenstein and I don't know if that's how it ended. Andrew Cooper, you're under arrest for the murder of Daniel Ingram. This concludes our broadcast day.